Rotcast is a crazy quilt of repurposed audio source material and voices and memories gathered around a theme. I'm your host, Rotwang. Listen. I want to thank today's music director, Bobby McFerrin. Thanks, Bobby. How was your flight? Well, no, Mr. McFerrin, I meant it as a joke. That was the funniest thing in the world. Flight of the Bumblebees, you know. It really struck my funny bone. <laughs> the, the song you just sang because it's an audience piece. Right, we don't use a live audience. You probably miss the energy you get from a theater filled with people. Well, I remember staying caught up in the applause of the audience. Well, I'm not going to clap, but I will say those sounds you made were nice. I totally recognized the tune. It's basically fancy humming to yourself, isn't it? You know we can't pay you. Where where should I start? I I would rather stay home for years. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Uh, Hypothetically... What would you want for this performance that you uh, gave us today? The gold ball on the top of a flagpole at the top of a very tall building. That's a very strange uh, request. That's That's kind of a scary request. I don't know how scary I am. Isabella Rossini, Rossellini. She's dressed up as an insect and describes the sexual. Um, how they do it? How they do it? Isabella Rossellini. And it, you know, it was some weird stuff. Yeah, you know, like no nudity or anything like that, but just weird. That, you know, like she's in this yeah you know, cutesy bee outfit, and like she goes over and starts humping this other. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, not her. That's weird. I think of her as a lady. If I were a bee, a queen bee, I would be very fat and do nothing else but lay eggs. The unfertilized eggs will hatch my sons. The fertilized eggs will hatch my daughters. If I were a daughter, I would be sterile, and I would do all the work. I would have antennas to help me hear, and pads on my feet to smell. I would have compound eyes to see everywhere, and I would be armed with a stinger for the fence. I have many sisters, and I communicate with them by dancing. I tell them where the flowers are. Colony Collapse Disorder is when well it's the reason that all the bees are dying off they the scientists suspect and it either has to do with 
like the worker bees not performing for the queen anymore, or the queen leaving the hive, or something something to do with like some sort of bee grade <laughs> mutiny. Yeah, my roommate bought poison ivy honey, honey that was made from the pollen that bees collected from poison ivy flowers, which hearing that as someone who is highly allergic to poison ivy and wants nothing to do with it, I mean, to a probably a phobic level, I wouldn't, I found it absolutely disgusting that anyone would ingest poison ivy honey. Why? 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 There's so many flowers out there. Why the one that, like, makes me swell up for a month and a half? People, I gotta tell you a little story. Ooh, all about the last flight of the bumblebee. Oh, baby, this will bring tears to your eyes. All right. Buzz, buzz. Once upon a time, there were honeybees everywhere. They'd be buzzing all around and sweet honey was everywhere Well, I never thought about it much and I, I didn't understand it The birds and the bees were part of life and I just took it for granted yeah. mm, Like it was nothing, nothing, oh no They were dying I didn't know it right then When Mr. Newsman was in flying Because the dying honeybees They had far-reaching implications The delicate balance of life Could be ripped apart at its foundations Hey, people, wake up Ooh, yeah mm, The honeybees are dying When our crops start to fail Well, you and me and the farmers Will all New corn cereal is real sweet. A big crisp treat. Sweet as honey all through. Now to blow that avalanche away. What a man that honeycomb kid is. Blow the avalanche away. And blow a snow post honeycomb. What a real good treat. Having breakfast sweet as honeycomb. Post cereal. Welcome to Dead Air. I'm your host, Martin Mann. My first guest committed suicide in 1963. She is primarily celebrated for her confessional poetry. Sylvia Plath also wrote a semi-autobiographical novel, The Bell Jar, 
The plot of the bell jar paralleled Plath's experience interning at Mademoiselle Magazine and her subsequent mental breakdown. Welcome, Sylvia. Sylvia, when I think of your life, I think of the Rolling Stones song, Mother's Little Helper. It speaks of mothers using prescription drugs to get through their day, in particularly taking care of the mundane tasks associated with keeping house, like cleaning the oven. <laughs> well, uh, that was a joke, wasn't it? When I was alive, I sometimes suffered depressions, insomnia, and all that. Keeping house was a challenge, but with an au pair, a nurse, and a housekeeper, the landlady, some steadfast friends, and my mother, I managed for a time. I would like to quote Christopher Lesk. This is from his The Culture of Narcissism. The narcissist, apparent freedom from family ties and institutional constraints, contributes to his insecurity which he can overcome only by seeing his grandiose self reflected in the attention of others, or by attaching himself to those who radiate celebrity, power, and charisma. I don't understand. Are you saying this refers to me? I was very much tied to a family. And, uh... The institution. I mean, the institution of marriage. I may have felt elation... In, in the limelight, but I wouldn't claim any more self-love than the next poet. <laughs> I think writers and artists are the, are the most narcissistic people. Sylvia, there's been talk in Hollywood of filming The Bell Jar, but instead of the ending you wrote for the novel, your main character, Esther, would have no doubts about being ready to leave the institution. The movie would end more upbeat, with her triumphing over adversity. Can you see that? No, I don't. If the film is set in a modern world um, where Esther must contend, there would be no assurances strong enough. There are none. One more question. I really like your bee poems. There is genius at work there. You intended to place those five poems together at the end of Ariel, the big finish. But tell us, did you ever think, wow, I don't think I can top those B poems? May I say this? That I didn't hold those poems up as benchmarks. Um, I put the B poems to bed with all the others. Now I'm sorry. I, I must go. Certainly. Thank you, Sylvia Plath. Absolutely. You're still here. Orson, the interview's over and our guest is still here. She's only half gone. Why? That doesn't make any sense. I'm sure our guest is ready to move on now. We've finished. But uh, they have become ghostly.
heavens, child. Are you all right? There was a bee. <laughs> the Arrival of the Bee Box by Sylvia Plath. I ordered this clean wood box, square as a chair, and almost too heavy to lift. I would say it was a coffin of a midget, or a square baby, were there not such a din in it. The box is locked. It is dangerous. I have to live with it overnight, and I can't keep away from it. There are no windows, so I can't see what there is in there. There's only a little grid, no exit. I put my eye to the grid. It is dark, dark with the swarmy feeling of African hands, minute and shrunk for export, black on black, angrily clamoring. How can I let them out? It is the noise that appalls me most of all, the unintelligible syllables. It is like a Roman mob, small, taken one by one, but my God, together? I lay my ear to furious Latin. I am not a Caesar. I have simply ordered a box of maniacs. They can be sent back. They can die. I need feed them nothing. I am the owner. I wonder how hungry they are. I wonder if they would forget me if I just undid the locks and stood back and turned into a tree. There's the laburnum, its blonde colonnades, and the petticoats of the cherry. They might ignore me immediately in my moon suit and funeral veil. I am no source of honey, so why should they turn on me? Tomorrow I will be sweet God. I will set them free. The box is only temporary. Up next, the Juicy Truth. We've decided to uh, call this segment the Juicy Truth. And usually I'll be talking with number nine, but this evening we have a stand-in for number nine, number 11. Say hello, number 11. Hello, number 11. Good. We have drunk this wine several times before, and now you'll hear how much we enjoyed it. Um, this wine is a unusual wine for us too. It's one where uh, we like to drink dry red wines and this is pretty much the opposite of that. It's a dessert wine um, and it's uh, white and it's uh, carbonated and it's called Moscato di Osti. It's uh, 2007. It's from a small town in northern Italy called Osti, which is renowned for sweet bubbly wines. Osti's within the historic Italian region called the Piedmont. The label is called Bug Juice. While we were searching for wines, Mr. Rotwang, number nine, and me, number 11, and we stopped in this little shop, and I like looking at labels, and I thought it was cute with a bee on it. So I said, let's try this. And it's an Osti, and I like Osti, and I am not a red wine drinker. Actually, I'm not a wine drinker at all, but this, I like. 
It's one of our unwritten criteria for selecting a wine. Does it have an animal on the label? And the B on the label goes with the theme of the show. So let's give it a taste. Here's yours. Thank you. Yummy, yummy. Did it taste like you remember it? Yes, it does. Um, like I said, we enjoyed this wine before. Uh, number 11, can you uh, tell a little bit about uh, the first time we drank it? We were using it, while well, you and number 9 were using it as a middle drink to kind of cleanse your palate between the two reds. And I partook of this because it's the kind that I might like. I've had Osties before and eh, I get one or two drinks, uh, sips, and it's, I don't like it. But this, it's very good. That was the first time. And the second time we tried again with more people with the parental units and we wanted to kill the bottle right yeah we wanted to kill the bottle and i helped with that so we had already eaten and so this would be this was uh the wine we chose to drink after we ate yes but uh i probably shouldn't have had the pie with it but this is kind of light so that it, it didn't uh, feel like too much so you say it's a dessert wine for me it's something i could drink with the dinner because since i don't drink wine as a rule well, the type of grape this is made from goes by many names. It's called uh, Muscat, Moscato, and uh, it's used uh, to make Muscatel. Does this wine have a real cork or plastic? And it came with a real cork. We prefer the plastic corks, but this one came out real nicely, so it wasn't a problem. Well, would, would you rather have a real dessert or this wine? Both. But this is like a really... It, it's a really good dessert. It's like fruit. It's like a creamy pear. Okay, now the wine notes and some of the people we were drinking it with said that it tasted like peach. And um, I can see that, but I uh, agree with number 11 about the pear, too. Peach is just overly sweet, and this does have a little syrupy quality, like if you opened a can of peaches, it would be syrupy, but pear comes in its own juice that is kind of syrupy, and it's lighter. And I think this is lighter like that. But there's a creaminess to it almost. It's Yeah, I, I thought it had a, a aftertaste of buttery, butteriness. The color, what they call straw on the light side of golden. And then it is carbonated, so there are bubbles. They're tiny bubbles. They're not like a lot of them like champagne. But they're... Tiny bubbles. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> And yes, I can be a very cheap date. I'm on my second class and woohoo! What is the alcohol content of this? It's not very much. No. Nope. Six. So that's why a dessert wine is good that it is low in alcohol content because soon after you will be driving. Okay, let's start rating this. Color, what do you give it? One to ten. As to the loveliness it, of it? Yeah, it's not ugly or... I drank a Zin this afternoon that was kind of ugly bad well, it's a really pretty color i'm gonna say nine okay the clarity is it appealing i'm gonna answer that one i'm gonna give it a nine it really has no defects it's just it's not remarkable it's just very good and the aroma we haven't really talked about that yet it smells fruity doesn't it it doesn't smell as good as it tastes now the alcohol balance quite good because you may have had a bottle of wine for dinner mm -hmm. and you don't want something heavy at the end. What, are you going to give it like a 9 or a 10? Yeah, I think 9. 
I don't think it should be more. I mean, you're not going out to get plastered. The sweet and dry scale, me and number nine, we like them dry, and this is not a dry, it's sweet, but it's not overly sweet. It should have a high number, like a, maybe an eight. Eight sounds good because I think, personally, it could be a little sweeter. Now the complexity. It doesn't seem real complex. We, we've said buttery, we've said peach, we've said pear. If there was another spice going on, like vanilla or something, that might add to the complexity, but there's really not. No. So I think maybe this one might be a low number, a mid number, maybe like... But it's a good... <laughs> I'm going to give it a six. Six sounds good. The body is excellent. I, I think uh, that's one of my favorite things about it. And it's that, that light syrupy roll uh, it has. I would give it a ten. I will agree. Now, acidity... This basically has no acid. <laughs> it's probably why I like it, because I'm not... It might be better with a little acid in it, but... No. No? No. I'll give it a 10, then. Most wines, to me, are like vinegar. Right. And that would be acidy. Right. So this is definitely not there. Well, it could stand a little bit more tang, but I'll go with you and give it a 10 if you... Hair does not need tang. <laughs> All right. If it was orange, maybe, but hair... The next is price, um, a little bit pricey, but... But uh, everyone we served this to liked it, so right. it, it's a crowd pleaser. Overall, <laughs> it's pretty expensive, but again, for me, I really like it. It's worth it. What do you, what do you give it? Price? $16.99. Well, I'd like it to be lower, but so we'll, let's say like 8 There are other Moscato di Asti, and I will eventually try them. I mean, it's really good. Okay, well, we'll be back with the total. going to be high. <laughs> Okay, the overall score for Bug Juice is 89. That's pretty good. That was the Juicy Truth for show B. Thank you, number 11. I thought you did swell. This is number 11 saying goodbye until the next time we have a dessert wine. Bye-bye. Adieu. Toodaloo. And now for a service announcement for the honeybees. Every homeowner that has any plot of yard should try to put some Dutch white clover in their yard so the honeybees will be attracted to their yards and maybe they will proliferate and become more and more honeybees. Somebody has to start helping the honeybees or we are going to run out of honey. So please, please try to put some Dutch white clover into your yard so that we bring the honeybees back. That is all. Thank you so much. The Rodcast musical bed you're hearing is called Haunted. It's used with the permission of the composer Kim Schutterle. If you have a good idea for a Rodcast theme or a wine suggestion for our review, email your idea to mail at rotcast.com or call the Rotline. The Rotline phone number will be posted at the website or Skype us at callrotcast. Visit www.rotcast.com to learn more about the wines and link to more content. Listen next time when you will hear... You could always find me in the theater around the corner. People like me liked our pictures dark and mysterious. Most were B-movies made on the cheap. Others were classy models with A-talent. But they all had one thing in common. 
They lived on the edge. Told stories about life in the streets. Shady characters, crooked cops, twisted love, and bad luck. The French invented a name for these pictures, film noir. Black film, that's what they called them. About a darker side of human nature. About the world as it really was. Love is gonna keep me coming home, yeah. 